0: Hi, and welcome to the January 22nd episode of Enjoying the Bible Podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. And my desire is to help you grow in your understanding and enjoyment of God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, I hope that you've already read today's readings. Uh, once again, you can get that on version. You can go down to the show notes under this uh, audio and uh, click on that link, and that will take you over to version where you can uh, join the uh, Bible reading plan that we're in so that you can read at your own pace and already know the text before you get to the podcast. But... Today's podcast uh, is going to focus on Exodus chapter 4 through 6. There's no New Testament reading today. It's just Exodus chapter 4 through 6. You ready? Let's get started. Okay, so we get to Exodus chapter 4. And in verses 1 through 9, we see that uh, God is giving Moses some signs, some miracles, really. And uh, three uh, miracles that he will be able to perform if the Israelites say, How do we know that God has sent you? God said, Okay, Moses, here are some testifying signs uh, that you can demonstrate to show them that you are no uh, mere man on a man-sent mission. This is a God-sized mission. You are sent by me. Show them these signs. And so Moses is still not content. In verses 10 through 12, we continue to see Moses filled with self-doubt. Listen to his words in verse 10, Exodus Chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. You know how many times he said the word, my? And how many times he said the word, I? I mean, he was his words make it clear he's focused on himself. And therefore, he's saturated with self-doubt. Now, what's he talking about, his... His uh, speech is sluggish. His tongue is sluggish, or he's not eloquent. Well, at least there's a couple of possibilities. We're not sure. One is he may have been an introvert. He may have actually loved, <laughs> you know, being uh, by himself on the backside of the desert for forty years tending sheep. You know, he may. And and, it, and when we look at his personality, understanding the various personality types, we do come to understand that Moses may have been an introvert. And so maybe that's what he's referring to. Or it could be when he said, my, my tongue is sluggish, maybe he's referring to the fact that since he has been in Midian for 40 years, it's been 40 years since he's been in Egypt, that he's not spoken a lick of Egyptian uh, in 40 years. And so maybe that's what he's referring to. You know, I don't have the ability to go back and speak authoritatively to Pharaoh I'll be lucky to remember how to say hi in Egyptian. And so maybe that's refer- what he's referring to. But honestly, that doesn't matter. What we see in verse 10 is Moses is focused on himself. He is saturated with self-doubt. And in verse 11 and 12, I want you to listen to God's response. Now, if it was God presented in a contemporary way with so many Bible teachers and preachers, then we would expect God to say in verses 11 and 12, hey, you've got what it takes. You can make this happen. You're going to be able to do this. Just believe in yourself. But that's not what God says, friend. Moses, in verse 10, is saturated with self-doubt. Listen to God's response. Moses is focused on himself. Listen to who God focuses on, verses 11 and 12. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what you what you are to say. So who's God focused on? Himself. And God is the only one in the whole universe that can and should focus on himself, and it is never a sin because he is God after all. He's the top of the food chain, infinitely at the top of the food chain. And so God, God's response to Moses was, Moses, stop thinking about yourself. Stop being consumed in yourself. Trust in me. And friend, that's not just an Old Testament principle, that's a New Testament principle as well. This whole thing that arose within pop psychology, as pop psychology was making its headway, you know, what, what 50 years ago, something like that, we began to hear so much about self-esteem and, and in fact whenever I say this you may be resisting it like really what's 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 he gonna say wrong about self-esteem is it wrong to have self esteem yes because the Bible doesn't teach self-esteem the Bible teaches Christ esteem and what's the difference if you are focused on self-esteem then you are a slave to what you think about yourself or what others think about you. And therefore, your value and your understanding of your competency is depending upon how good you are at what you do. You know, if you were really bad at everything, then other people are not going to value you, and therefore you will have a horrible self-esteem because you'll listen to them and think that you can't do anything. Self-esteem is a roller coaster, and it's dependent upon sinful human creatures. The Bible does not call us to have self-esteem. The Bible calls us to have Christ-esteem. What is that? Christ-esteem says... You know what? I'm taking an honest assessment of myself, and if it were not for Jesus, I could do nothing. But, with Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4. Now specifically, that text is talking about Paul's ability to deal with the circumstances of life. Um, And so that, I think, is a general principle that applies to everything. We are to develop our our self-esteem as Christ's esteem. What does Jesus say about me? And I need to get into his book. I need to get into the Bible to read about that and find out what he has said about me. And believe those things, not just in my mind, but in my heart. Embrace them and realize that whenever God is I believe God is calling me to do something, that even though self-esteem would cause me to have self-doubt, if I genuinely believe that God is calling me to do something, then my response should not be, I cannot do this. But our response should be, I cannot, but God in me can, and I'm going to trust him. And so that's what we see going on in Exodus 4. Moses is focused on self. God is saying, focus on me. Christian, I'm telling you, that's how to live the Christian life. It is not focused on yourself. It is a life focused on what does God say about me in his word? How much does he love me? What does he say about how I'm to trust in him? How I know that he is speaking to me and leading me? And how is it that I can have a mind that is listening to him? And what he says about me. And so Christ esteem. Then we realize in verses 13 through 17 that, uh, you know, as Moses refuses to trust, God does get angry. I pointed that out in verse 14. And Moses actually foregoes some of his blessings. Now Aaron is going to be doing some of the, the things that Moses could have done. But now God said, you know what? Let Aaron do it. You don't, you're don't. you not trusting in me. Let Aaron do some of these signs. And so honestly, some of the signs that we think Moses did, Aaron did it. If you read the text, Aaron did it. Verses 18 through 23, uh, they're preparing to return to Egypt. And I want you to notice in verse 21, it says, I will harden his heart. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he won't let the people go. As we're reading through Exodus, the first part of Exodus, as these plagues are taking place, I want you to look for that phrase, harden Pharaoh's heart or harden heart. Many times it says God is going to harden his heart. There are many other times where it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And there's even a few times where it doesn't say either one. It just says his heart was hardened. And so this is one more illustration in scripture that shows us the tension between God's sovereignty or God's free will to do whatever he pleases because he is God after all and mankind's free will. And so we could ask the question, who hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the Israelites go? We could say God hardened his heart and we would be right. Or we could say uh, Pharaoh is the one that hardened his own heart, and he's the reason why he would not let the Israelites go, and we would be accurate and right as well. So God, whenever he um, rules and overrules with Pharaoh's heart, God is clearly the one who is in charge, but yet pharaoh was doing what pharaoh wanted to do this is a paradox within scripture we don't fully understand it it's a mystery but we believe it god is in control and yet we do as people have free will and that one of the ways one of the places we see it is in who hardened pharaoh's heart um, verses twenty four through twenty six uh, we understand that Moses uh, did not circumcise his sons as had been done with Abraham, and so Moses, as he was being used by God and going on a mission by God, had not been obedient to God by making a sign on his sons' bodies that they were in they were part of the covenant people of God and so God was very serious. Now we don't know if you know the Lord actually was angry and moving against them or if that was their perception that God was angry and moving against them. All we know is they needed to get that done quickly and so they did. In verses 27 through 31 we realize that Aaron in some way somehow was able to leave Egypt um, and meet with uh, Moses at Mount Sinai. and so they, uh, they chatted, they talked, they went to Egypt, and uh, when the Israelites heard that uh, they were going to be freed, they worshipped. See, that's the initial response. They're excited, but they're about to change their tune really quick. Okay, so we get to Exodus 5 now. And uh, one of the things that we realize in verse 5 is we hit a major speed bump. Moses was told by the Lord, I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart, but go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And so Moses didn't know how this was going to play out. He knew that God said, Trust me in this. And so he didn't know how this was going to play out. So in verses 1 through 5, he goes to Pharaoh and says, You know what? The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God or else he may strike us with a plague or sword. Let, he said, Let us go into the wilderness to worship, a three-day's journey into the wilderness. And so what we see is Moses is thinking, Okay, what happens next? How does this play out? God has met with me. I have been filled with self-doubt. God has said, trust in me, but I'm going to make this a little bit difficult. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Then Moses and Aaron went to Egypt. The people worshiped the God of all creation. They're excited. Their freedom is in view. And so Moses goes into Pharaoh, maybe excited after seeing that the Israelites were responding so positively. And then he hits a major speed bump in verses four through five when Pharaoh makes it clear. He says, "Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to to neglect their work? Get to your labor." And Pharaoh also said, "Look, the people of the land are so numerous, and you should not, uh, and uh, you would stop them from their labor." And so Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Who hardened it? God did. But then, who hardened it? Well, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. It was both. And they ran into a speed bump. But then we see in verses 6 through 21 that Pharaoh contrives a plan to try to put a wedge, effectively put a wedge between Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel. Now, at the end of chapter Four, the Israelites were rallying around Moses, and they were worshiping God, and they were excited about what God was about to do. Um, they knelt and worshiped in in the last the last few words of of chapter four, but but Pharaoh is thinking, "How can I squelch this and do it fast? Put a wedge in between the leader and those who are wanting to follow him?" And so what he did is he created created this um, burden that he put upon the Israelites and he told them that they were going to have to do even more work, that now to to make their bricks, they were going to have to go out and get straw. And uh, they were going to have more work, but yet their quota was going to remain the same. And all of a sudden the Israelites realized that because of Moses, Pharaoh had made their job quite a bit harder, very hard. I mean, really impossible. And so they were going to be beaten. They were going to be abused. And all of a sudden, the the good feelings they had toward Moses and Aaron were not there anymore. And so in verse 22, Moses vents to the Lord. He goes to the Lord in verse twenty-two, it says Moses went back to the Lord and asked, "Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you send me? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people, and you haven't rescued your people at all." Okay. Some, and you know, I, I realize that there were many, and I, and I, you know, at a for a. A good part of my early years, I I felt this way. I felt that if I was feeling something strongly toward the Lord, I was upset. I lacked faith to trust and things didn't make sense. Or I felt that there was an injustice that happened in my life. And in my mind, the Lord is fully in control of all things. And therefore he could have stopped it, but he didn't. I felt that in my prayer life even as I had these feelings of anger you know or serious lack of faith or whatever I felt that I could not express that to the Lord and so how did that play out well I just didn't talk to the Lord for a while I stiff-armed him And there were quite a few times in my spiritual walk whenever I just was not praying. Why? Because something happened I felt like God could have stopped it and he didn't. Or something I thought was going to go well and it failed miserably or there's you know hit financial things were happening over and over and I felt like God is in control of this he could stop this the, the he could keep the car from breaking down after we almost hit zero in our bank account and he didn't the car broke down anyway how are we going to pay for this and I felt like I couldn't be honest with the Lord and yet when we look at verse 22 we hear Moses being very honest about his heart. And friend, I'll tell you that whenever I was uh, in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s, I moved away from home, um, went to college, there were some really, really dark years uh, in my life as I uh, was away and just a lot of complicating factors brought that in. Lack of eating, stress, finances, I mean all sorts of things. Um, I embraced the book of Psalms. I found such comfort in the book of Psalms. In fact, I would read the book of Psalms and then hide my Bible under my pillow as I would go to sleep at night because I felt like I needed that. I had nothing else. I didn't feel like I had anything else. And uh, I was relying upon that. And one of the things that I realized is in the book of Psalms, The psalmist said things to God in prayer that I thought would have been blasphemous for me to say. I mean, I read those things and thought, how in the world can he get away with that? And God says David. If David was the one saying it, God still said David was a man after his own heart. And he's talking to God like that. And I came to realize that we are to be people of faith... But in the Psalms, there are plenty of Psalms that are like this in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22, where the psalmist is just venting. He's expressing his questions to God and expecting an answer and wondering why God doesn't answer. There are times whenever he, he literally says, wake up, you know, uh, to God. He, there are times whenever he's saying, why do the wicked prosper? And here I am following you, and, and you're not even blessed me you know i mean he's saying things like that quite often in the psalms and god calls him a man after his own heart what what are we to make of that what are we to make of moses words in exodus 5 here it is i believe that if it is in our heart the lord knows it already anyway right and so if what is in our heart is not coming out our mouth in our prayers to the lord then we are being hypocrites Now, with other people, we need to season things. They don't need to know everything going on in our heart, right? I mean, we we don't need to burden other people with what's going on in our heart. Um, Except maybe those close friends and, you know, only when it's appropriate and so on. But when it's the Lord who has a relationship with us that is so much greater than anybody else. He knows what's in your heart, friend. And if what's coming out of your mouth in prayer does not match what is in your heart, friend, you are not being honest with the Lord. Now... Don't get stuck in that anger. Don't get stuck in those questions. Don't get stuck in feeling like the Lord has been unjust or he's not been paying attention and bad things have happened to you or injustice or whatever. Don't get stuck in that desire to move toward faith where you are trusting him. But don't be afraid to tell them what's in your heart. Friend, I'm telling you that uh, I've got three boys, and if, you know, especially as they were younger and at home, all three of them were at home, if there was something obviously wrong with them, if they were burdened about something, and I could see that, I knew that something was bothering them. And I asked them, hey, Zach, Sean, Joseph, what's going on? If they told me nothing if they said nothing dad, I would think what's wrong with the relationship that they're not telling me what's in their heart? Even if I was the one who had mistreated them with my words or something like that, I at least would want them to say that, to express what's in their heart so that at least I knew what was going on because transparency and honesty in relationship speaks to trust. That is the key component of a great relationship and friend, I'm telling you, if you are feeling things in your heart, then you need to take it to the Lord in prayer. Be honest with Him. Be honest with Him. He knows it anyway. Take it to the Lord in prayer and desire, as you share those things, to move toward faith, but be honest with what's going on. This is what Moses did. I see it throughout Scripture. It is okay. God loves us so much. He wants us to be honest with him. All right, so let me be fairly brief with Exodus 6. Exodus 6 is basically this. This is basically the theme. With all of the things, all of the moving parts that happen in Exodus 6, it's basically about this. Moses doesn't understand what's going on. While, behind the curtain, God is pleased because he is working out his plan. That's Exodus 6. God is working out his plan. He is pleased with what's taking place because it is do- everything is happening as he is willing it to, as he has decreed it to. God is thoroughly pleased, and he's always pleased because he's always working out his plan. But we are often Moses where we don't understand what God is doing. And so what is our response? Obedience and trust trust and as the song says trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus the 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 writer of that hymn said we could be happy in jesus how can we be happy do what moses did trust god and obey him. Do what he said to do. Trust him and obey. Now one other thing that I just want to bring out in verse 2 is this. In most of our English translations, and I realize that there are people in other countries that are uh, listening to this podcast, and I'm so grateful that you all are listening, um, but I'm unsure about the translations in other languages, but I do know that in the English translation, the English translators and most of our translations have done us a favor because the word Lord shows up quite often in the Old Testament. But sometimes it's capital L, lowercase o-r-d, and that is God's title, Adonai. He is the Lord. He is the boss. He is the one in charge. So when you see capital L, lowercase o-r-d, that is referring to God's title as the one who is overall. But our English translators have done us a favor because there are oft also times in our English translations when it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's all caps. And that, when you see that, that is not adonai that is not the the word that means he is the the one overall that's actually his name you know if jehovah yahweh we've talked about this before um this is actually his name and he his name essentially means he is the being one the existing one the one from whom all life comes not just spiritual life but all life uh, there, nothing would exist if it were not for God who gave life to creation and so when you see capital L capital O capital R capital D God is giving us his name What does that mean? Among other things, it means that our God is relational. He wants us to know Him, right? I mean, if you meet, uh, you know, someone, maybe you go outside, outside your front, uh, in your front yard or out on the street or something like that, and a neighbor comes up and you've never met this neighbor and, and they've never met you, and you talk and, you know, you just casually just mention a few things, the weather and, you know, the neighborhood or whatever else, and then both of you leave without giving each other your name, both of you understand that you were just being polite, but you're really not interested in getting to know each other. But if you or the other reaches out your hand to shake hands or maybe just in conversation, you say, Hey, my name is, is Matt. Uh, what's yours? Then that speaks of relationship. That speaks of respect for each other. And that speaks of a desire to get to know each other a little bit more. And so when you see LORD in all caps, that is God's name and he is saying, I want you to know me because I know you. And so, friend, I want you, when you're reading through Scripture, don't see God as as stoic and indifferent and aloof and up there in heaven and completely indifferent to all of the things going on here. No, friend, I'm telling you, God sent Jesus so that we could get to know him and enjoy him. That's that's the big thing. Yes, we obey him, but we're supposed to obey him out of the overflow of an enjoyable relationship with him. So, friend, God has made himself known to us, not just in the New Testament, but ultimately in the New Testament through Jesus. But even in the Old Testament, he was giving his name to people, to the Israelites, and calling them to know him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that you desire for us to know you and enjoy you. You know all things about us. In fact, we're made, it's made clear in Scripture that not only do you know all things, but when it comes to people, it says that you search our hearts to know us. That just demonstrates that it's a relational knowledge that you have with us. You don't just say, I I know everything about you." you. You search our hearts and desire to know us that way, relationally. And so whenever you command us to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, you're just basically telling us to respond back to you in the way that you are already loving us. So Lord, I pray that we would more and more and more see this thing called Christianity not as a set of rules, but as a relationship with the God of all creation, a relationship to enjoy, a relationship to satisfy our inner longing so that we don't go after sin. We lose our taste for sin because we're satisfied in you. And then out of that love relationship, To obey you. Jesus, you said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, if we genuinely enter into that love relationship, we're going to want to keep your commandments. We're going to want to pursue holiness. And so, Lord, I pray that as we are digging into your word this year, I pray that it would not just be filling our minds full with a bunch of facts. I pray that with that information, we would begin even much more so thinking rightly and also getting to know You as You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Word, getting to know You more and enjoy You and so that we can apply Your Word in the power of Your Holy Spirit, living a life that is pleasing to You. Lord Jesus, thank You for making us pleasing to the Father by saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as we close, I just wanna share a couple of things with you. One is I am so grateful uh, for you listening and for you sharing this podcast with others. Uh, Last week, we had 324 plays on this podcast, which was greater than the week before, which was greater than the first week. So every week we continue to see more and more plays. But not only that, right now, as I'm looking at the data, Um, roughly 98% of uh, those who are listening are in the United States as we would expect but there's about I I can't remember the exact number I just took a glance at just looked at the countries but there's about seven other countries where people are listening beginning to listen to this podcast I just want to thank you all so much. This is so rewarding to me to believe that in some small part, I can can help people grow in their understanding and enjoyment of God's Word so that they can apply God's Word in the power of His Holy Spirit. So I just want to encourage you. I want to thank you for sharing this and want to encourage you to continue to share this, um, this show, this, these podcasts on social media or by word of mouth. If you're enjoying it and you think others can enjoy it, by all means, feel free to, to share it. Uh, the other thing is hopefully within the next maybe two, three, or four episodes, um, this, the sound quality should sound a little bit better. Uh, maybe you'll notice it. Hopefully you will uh, because I plan to begin using a, a little bit better of a microphone. So hopefully the, uh, the listening uh, will be a little bit more pleasurable to you. I want to thank you for being here with me this morning, letting us spend this time together in God's Word. And I can't wait uh, to spend time again with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.